You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. After 120 years of preaching and being faithful, had eight people respond. Eight. Okay? So you need not not forget that. However, however, look, the produce, the fruit of your ministry has, this will be encouraging, nothing to do with you except how faithful you are with this book. Sow the seed. The power of the parable of the sower is in the seed. In today's message, Pastor Danny encourages you with the truth that the produce and fruit of your ministry has nothing to do with you. If you're faithful with the Word of God and continue to sow the seed, the seed will have its way. The gospel needs to be heard in every tongue and in every nation. The soil isn't up to you. God will nurture and turn and enrich the soil once the seed's planted. So be faithful with God's Word and keep sowing. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark chapter four, as he begins his message, Sowing, Growth, and Harvest. Jesus often spoke using parables. Parables were for the purpose of making things, uh, well, to to do it in such a way that you talked about it uh, in terms of everyday life so that people could better understand. It wasn't to try to hide what he was trying to communicate. It was to try to help what he was trying to communicate. The parable we covered last week, it's called, in my Bible, a lamp on a stand. I called the message, though, um, to hear or not to hear. This week, we come to another parable, verse 26. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. There are three verses with three points of emphasis. And with those three points, I've added another one to, I think, hopefully help us to really understand what Jesus is trying to say. The emphasis in verse 27 is a man scatters seed on the ground. We know from the parables uh, about the seed, the seed is the word of God. We don't need to go back to that. You got that, right? The seed is the word of God. So a man scatters the seed. A man scatters the word of God. That's interesting. A human being. Man, woman, human being. Verse 28, the emphasis is on the profound truth that the sower, the one sowing the seed of the word of God, 
has nothing to do with the growth of the seed. That's important. The third, verse 29, is fast-forwarding through the germination process, and now the plant or the grain is produced, and the sickle goes in because now it's harvest. First point is simply this, the privilege of sowing the Word of God. Never do I get over what I, what I have the privilege of doing. Um, I get paid to do it. I get paid to study and sow the Word of God. I get paid to do it. That's my primary responsibility here, to study, to prepare, and to come. I don't take it lightly. I really mean that. I don't take it lightly. I take seriously verses like 1 Peter 4.11, which says, if anyone speaks, he should do it as speaking the very words of God. I take that seriously. I take very seriously James chapter 3, verse 1. We who teach will be judged more strictly. I've said it many times. I'll say this again. There is no other book like this book. Is that amazing? There's no other book like this book. And the fact that I get to study and, and teach it on a regular basis. But listen, even though I get paid to do that, every one of us here have the privilege of sowing the seed of the Word of God. Every one of us. If you're willing. And if you take last week's parable seriously, with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Not only will you be more blessed the more of the Word you get in your life, but you'll also be more equipped to sow the seed. You have more seed to sow. Psalm 138, great, great truth here. It says, you, the Lord, God, have exalted above all things your name and your word. That's pretty lofty. That's lofty. Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture is God-breathed. Whoa, and you and I have the privilege of sowing, sharing the Word of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, I love what Paul writes to the Thessalonian church here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. He says, and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, human beings, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. It's at work. It's producing something in those who respond correctly to it, those who believe it. Nothing I have to share is rocket science. Nothing I've ever shared is rocket science because I don't have that kind of a brain. God could have used angels. Now, if you really stop and think about it, if you really stop and think about it, if I think about it, I say, Lord, if I were you, if I were you, I might have chosen to use angels and not us, because I know us. 
I'm one of us. But he didn't do that. He gives us the privilege. Now, let me, let me throw something at you. I don't want to mess you up, but I used to think that the Great Commission for the church had to be fulfilled before Jesus comes back. What is the Great Commission? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's called the Great Commission. But there's a verse I hit years ago that I had never really seen and thought about before. Let me read it for you. It's Revelation chapter 14 and verse 6. Keeping in mind that Jesus said in answer to the disciples' question, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus goes on, and one of the things he said is, this gospel will be preached in all the world, and then the end will come. Well, listen to this verse. This is during the final seven-year period known as the Great Tribulation before Jesus returns to earth. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Years ago when I finally saw that and thought about it, I thought, wait a minute. It doesn't lessen. Here's where you don't want to get messed up. It doesn't lessen the Great Commission. It doesn't lessen our responsibility to take the gospel to the world. doesn't lessen that. But if I take it at face value and what it says, the final time the gospel will go out is not through a human being. It's an angel. So that as God's wrath is being poured out in this period known as the great tribulation, that because of the God we serve who loves all men and wants all men to be saved, he sends an angel through the whole world and everybody living at that time. Here's one last time the gospel because he wants all men to be saved. What a privilege we have. To sow the word. God chose for most of history to use us. And in the very end, he'll send an angel. One last call. One last cry. One last offer. The privilege is magnified by the next point from our text. And that is the power of the word. Don't underestimate the power. I put it in my notes, the profound power of the word. Profound, very great, intense. Jeremiah put it this way. The Lord speaking is not my word like fire and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. It's powerful. In Ephesians 6, 17, in the context of the spiritual armor that God has provided for every Christian, One piece of armor is called the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Jesus wielded it in the wilderness as he's tempted by Satan, and every time he's tempted, he pulled out the sword, and he said, it is written. And if you're going to overcome temptation, you better have the Word. In Acts chapter 2, Peter on the day of Pentecost is preaching the summation of his message you find In verse 36 of Acts chapter 2, and here's his summation. 
Therefore, let all Israel be assured that of this, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. In other words, he's Messiah. That's what Christ means. And when the people heard this, here's what it says. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart by the word. It wasn't Peter. I mean, if you know Peter, you know it wasn't Peter. It was what he was proclaiming. It was what he was sharing. And they were cut to the heart. It was the word that did that. And then add to that, from the text, the sower. The sower has nothing to do with what the seed produces. Don't miss that. From a little seed. A little seed that you take and you plant in the ground. And you go to sleep. And it's it's growing. Something's happening. You wake back up and you go out and you see, wow, you go back to sleep. That's what the text says, whether you wake or whether you sleep. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. You go, how in the world did that happen? John the Baptist said something, John chapter 3, is very important if you're a minister, Bible study leader, whatever. Uh, you know, look, a man can only receive what is given him from heaven. The size of your ministry, the success of your ministry from a world's point of view, look, that's all dependent on how faithful you are and then God's will. Okay? Noah, after 120 years of preaching and being faithful, had eight people respond. Eight. Okay? So you need not forget that. However, however, look, the produce, the fruit of your ministry has, this will be encouraging, nothing to do with you except how faithful you are with this book. Sow the seed. Sow the word. No matter where you are ministering, no matter what exactly your type of ministry is, whether you're a pastor of a local church, whatever you're doing, it's the word, the word, the word, and the word. That's the key. No place for, oh yeah, you got the right one and you chose me. Has nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that. Who has what he has not received? And if you received it, why do you boast as though you did not? The early church had no buildings, no organized programs, no technology, no social media, and no superstars who spoke or wrote about recently formulated methodologies for attracting a bigger crowd. And there are marketing strategies you can use to build your ministry. And if you use those, you have to keep using those to keep the people that you've attracted. It's the word that does the work. That's why First Peter, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up. The word. That's why John records Jesus' truthful statement, sanctify them, Father, by the truth. Your word is truth. That's why 2 Timothy, Paul writes, all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Now let me, let me hone in on this point before we move on. Let me hone in on this. 
The word does the essential work, and the initial, the initial essential work in a person's life has to do with the main theme of this book. Now, this book has wonderful truths. This book, if you want a godly, if you want a godly marriage, this book can tell you how to have a godly marriage. If you just be willing to, to obey it. This book uh, can tell you how to be a good parent. This book can tell you how to be a good son, a good daughter. Uh, this book can give you very practical instruction about finances and business. There's a lot of things in this book, a lot of wisdom in this book. It's a book of wisdom. But the primary theme of the book, throughout the book, could I summarize it as simply as I possibly can? The main theme of this book is Jesus. He's the Savior of the world. And more than somebody needing to know how to be a good parent, you need to know how to be a good parent. But more than that, more than knowing how to be a good son or daughter, more than knowing good business and financial principles, more than those things, you need to know we're lost and we need a Savior. We're tainted by sin and we need to be cleansed. So the central theme of this book, please bear with me. Genesis 3.15, after Adam and Eve, our great forefathers, sin. And God said there in Genesis chapter 3, a seed that would come from a woman will crush the head of the serpent who is deceived now, man, and brought sin into the world. A seed, a seed, a singular person. You continue on, not very far in Genesis, and the seed will come through a man named Abraham, through his lineage. You find that Abraham and Sarah are too old to have children, and so they have this child. And the child typifies this seed that would ultimately come through the lineage of Abraham. This particular one, his name is Isaac. Isaac is a miracle child. And when Isaac is a young man, God tells Abraham, take your one and only son, take him on Mount Moriah, which geographically just happens to be where Mount Calvary was. Take him and offer him as a sacrifice. This same Abraham, chapter 14 of Genesis, is met by a figure uh, after Abraham is given victory over these kings that have kidnapped his nephew Lot. And this man, Melchizedek, he's king of Salem, king of peace. He's also priest. Under the Old Testament, you couldn't be a king and a priest, so this guy's unique. He's a priest and a king. He's king of peace, but he's priest of God most high. And he comes out and he brings bread and wine, and he serves Abraham. I wonder what the bread and wine might mean. The Bible tells us he's without beginning of days or end of life. He's eternal. He is Christ. He is Joseph, hated by his brothers, sold into the world, Egypt. And after a period of suffering, he's exalted to second in command in all of the world. And he becomes the savior of the world, if you know the story of Joseph. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb that by his sacrifice and his applied blood, you can be delivered from the bondage of Egypt. 
but he's not just the Passover lamb. He's as now you're delivered from the bondage of Egypt. He's the supernatural food, the manna that comes down from heaven. 1 Corinthians 10, he's the rock that accompanied them. He's the rock that was smitten. And after smitten, waters of salvation and mercy and grace come out. And that rock is Christ. Deuteronomy 18, 18, he's the prophet like unto Moses, whom God specifically said when he comes, you must listen to him. He is the fulfillment of every Old Testament sacrifice. He is Joshua. Moses, representing the law, cannot lead us into the land of promise. So Joshua, which by chance is the Old Testament name, equal to the New Testament name, Jesus. And he leads us into the land of promise. Throughout the Old Testament, he is the angel of the Lord. You find him time and time again. And one significant appearance is near the end of the Old Testament in Zechariah chapter 3. Let me read you this fascinating word. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord, who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Wait a minute. This is Joshua, the high priest. He's a burning stick snatched from the fire? Yeah, you can be a high priest, but you need a savior. Now, Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, see, I've taken away your sin, and I'll put rich garments on you. And then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and put clean clothes on him. So they put clean clothes on him while the angel of the Lord stood by. The Psalms, the prophetic books are filled with words about him, some which have already come true and some which will come true. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 tells you where he would be born, where he was born, Bethlehem. And if you got any, any, any spiritual sensitivity at all, when you read places like Psalm 22, you get Jesus bumps. It opens this way. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The very words Jesus spoke from the cross. Verse 6, I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by men, despised by the people. All who see me mock me, they hurl insults, shaking their heads, which is exactly what happened. It gets more fascinating. You get to verse 16, the last part. They have pierced my hands and my feet before, years before anybody ever conceived of a cross. Verse 18, they divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing, which is what the soldiers did at the foot of the cross, gambling for his clothes. Then you get to places like Isaiah 53, and it gets even more fascinating. Isaiah 53, verse 4, surely he took up our infirmities, carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God. He was pierced, there it is again, for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we're healed. 
We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. But then you read on in verse nine, here's what it says. He was assigned a grave with the wicked. Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today as he walks us through the book of Mark. This New Testament gospel book conveys a fast-paced progression of events that occurred during Jesus' ministry. It's almost as if the writer intended to communicate that Jesus was continually forward-thinking toward the cross and his mission and purpose here on earth. In Mark 10.45, it says, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the ultimate summary of the book of Mark. Jesus came humbly as a servant to reach the lost. Are you feeling lost today? Or have you been found and are following Jesus fully now? No matter what your answer is, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Let us know how you heard about the living word and how we can be praying for you. That address again is info at ccfstpete.church. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, come join us and hear from Pastor Danny at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We're holding services each Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. You'll find all the information you need on our website, ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that you'll join us again for our next edition, right here on The Living Word.